Welcome to another episode of Shark Stories. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Sarah Andriotti. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm very, very happy. And also today we have a special guest. I mentioned it in our last podcast, uh, Michael Rutson, who's a world-renowned shark conservationist and is among the first divers to dive cage-free with white sharks. And if you have a passion for sharks, um, I'm one of them, and a passion for the sea, you would know about Michael Rutson, an advocate for the protection of sharks and um, an incredible human being that has taught us so much about what what was a what particularly a white shark which everybody was so scared of growing up white shark white death um, face to face with a great white death shark um, jaws jaws <laughs> Don't forget only good jaws. sharks a dead shark <laughs> so I'm very very pleased to welcome you here today Mark thank you thank you for having me it's a it's a great pleasure so mark just quickly um just to jump on 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 a little bit of your of your growing up side i think it helps us with perspective so you were born in johannesburg of all places and stayed there for a while and then i think you moved out to a farm yes i grew up um i think i was four or five when my father bought a farm um between brits and rustenburg in a little place called Kariapoort. Um, our post office and railway was Redding's Whip. <laughs> Typical, <laughs> eh? <laughs> and um, no, that was a wonderful uh, way to grow up. The bush was there and you had freedom to do uh, whatever you want and explore. And, and Mark, at that time, did you, you used to go out on your own um, into the bush and uh, and you got sight. Did you ever get sight of any predators? Maybe like a, a roy cut or... or? Um, yeah, I used to go into the bush um, and just wander around and see what I can find. Um, but on our farm was a female leopard. Wow, okay. Big leopard. Especially when you're a small boy. <laughs> and um, I used to try and track that leopard. I want to see that leopard. But as leopards go, um, you track the leopard the whole day, and then as soon as it becomes dark, then the leopard starts tracking you. Sure, yeah. Uh, but I did manage to see her once. That's insane. It's incredible. It was a beautiful, beautiful cat. And do you think that was maybe the start of your, of your passion that you had for wild animals and their behavior? Um, yeah, that started there, and then I started collecting snakes. I remember your mother was very impressed by your snake collection. Well, um, I had like three, four different kinds of snakes in my bedroom. <laughs> um, some of them uh, poisonous. Wow, okay. Um, and yeah, um, the one night my grandmother and my mother was watching TV, and I heard a, a big commotion you know and then the next moment it's michael <laughs> and my mother calls name. me michael when <laughs> she's not happy with me um and then i came in and little snake got out and was going uh. around harmless snake i picked it up i put it back into <laughs> the uh, um into a cage and a few days later the same thing happened 
And then my mother said that the snakes must go to the outside room. So me being uh, very clever said, if the snakes go, I go. And then when I got back from school, my bed was already moved. Because <laughs> <laughs> they had enough of the snakes. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Yep. Mike, and then later on in life, uh, you, um, and I think as well with your aunt and that, you spent a lot of time fishing yeah. in the Tugela, um, on yeah. the Tull Coast, and you got to know the sea more and more. Um, yeah, we know we were small. Um, my aunt had a fishing boat in Tugela Mouth, um, and we loved fishing. So we used to go down for holidays, and we would stay on the beach, and every morning catch the boat out. Of course, at that time, I was a volley, so I <laughs> caught about three fish there. I started mm. puking, but the next morning, you would be there again. Yes. You know? Yeah. And um, Richard, he was a Zulu skipper, a very good skipper. Taught a, a lot about the sea mm. and how, how to do things, you know. Yeah, and then I suppose that after the, your time in the army, because at that time, your age was national service, um, you moved down to Hans Bay. Quite early on, so there must have been a lot of great whites there at the time um, in 1993. Yeah, I got there in 1990. Okay. Um, then I went there for a 34-day holiday. I went out of the army. I went to work at Precious Metal Refiners in Rustenburg. And they said I have to take a 34-day holiday. So my folks moved down to Hansby, so I hitchhiked down to Hansby and went out on the boat and the sea was full of fish and sharks and mm. whales and everything. So I never went back to work. Mm. So technically I'm still on holiday. Still on holiday after all these years, <laughs> 100%. But then as it happened, you started working with the cage diving industry. You're one of the first skippers that that mm. operated there. And then, so you started interacting with white sharks for the first time. Yeah, we used to see them around our fishing boats. And of course, um, uh, got the fright of our lives and we were diving abalone and crayfish and spearfishing there. Um, those years you could still take abalone out. And you would see uh, 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 whitey come past and... Um, it would take you about two seconds to get onto the rock. And, mm. of course, the shark gets a fright of its life as well, so it takes it two seconds to get out. Mm. And um, once I started working with them on a regular basis, started seeing how they tick. Mm. And that was quite um, mesmerizing, you know. So because then you started your own business, your own shark cage diving business, Shark Diving Unlimited. But what I'm very interested to find out is you're working with them on the boat. And yes, you spearfished a lot. So that's so being in the water is natural to you. But what made you step off the boat into the water when the sharks were there? Um, firstly, it took me four and a half years of observing them from the boat before I put my toes okay. into the water. Um, hard work is... There was a scientist working in Hansby called Mark Marks. Yes. Okay. And Mark Marks were getting um, um, cat sharks um, to do his study with. And one day he uh, was chumming there in Shark Alley to get this cat sharks, and a big white shark came around. And after 20 minutes, the white shark didn't eat him up. 
And we thought that was fascinating. So he didn't eat the cat shark up? He didn't eat mock mocks. Oh, I was mock mocks <laughs> in the water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> um, then I started working with mock mocks in Andra Hartman, and we mm. started um, diving outside the cage. Mark Marks, I was the skipper on a Mark Marks uh, a movie, saw how it worked. And three days later, I got into the water and started diving with him. I uh, thought it's a good idea at the time. <laughs> um, most, most amazing experience. You still remember that first dive? Oh, yes. I uh, did a lot of things wrong. Okay. <laughs> I learned through my mistakes. Yeah, so, um, and were there a few white sharks around your first dive, or was it just... Yeah, we had about 20-meter vis. Okay, so that that's is what... wonderful for yeah. uh, um, Hanspai. And there was four uh, big four-and-a-half-meter great whites, uh, female great whites around. Wow. And I got into the water, and I had my unloaded spear gun, you know. So yeah. the clients told me to... I can dive, no problem. Uh, I must just stay out of the frame because they want to take pictures of the sharks. So what I did is I, I had a good breath-holding capacity at the time. So I would dive underneath the cage and hang there and look at the sharks. <laughs> and this big female came right in front of me, hung in the current, just looking at me. Wow. And my breath um, got up, you know. Yeah. So I had to make a decision. So um, I decided just to give the shark a little poke on the nose and then she'll move off. Mm -hmm. And I poked the shark and the shark turned and went off maybe seven meters away, turned around, flew back to the same place and just opened her mouth and snapped in front of me. Wow. Yeah, I forgot to breathe. <laughs> And that's when that I realized yeah. you don't just poke great whites for no apparent reason. So that's the learning, eh? <laughs> well, uh, They'll show you. <laughs> sure, that, that you must see, have been I was very lucky. When I got in the water the first time, I got all of his mistakes already. Yeah. I got all of his mm. lectures already. So um, I could do less mistakes. <laughs> yeah, what Sarah doesn't say about that was her first day at work. Yes. Again, it sounded so, like a great idea at the time to and, tell you. Um, yes. a, a very uh, 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 a scientist I respect very much uh, was doing research in Hanspai, uh, Mike Mayer. He was working for sea fisheries at the time. And Mike phoned me up and I used to change his receivers because the receivers are not very shocky spots because mm. it's got to take, it's acoustic receivers. So, um, You'll put an acoustic pinger on the shark, and whenever it gets there, it gets locked. Okay. And Mike Fona says, can you take the receivers out today? And I go, okay, yes, Mike. And I turn to Sarah and say, can you dive? Yes. So you are diving with me today. And um, the one spot we actually had to get a cage diving boat to move away, they were lying right on the receiver with Channel. seven shots. Oh, yes. and, and going down, and she had to l watch my back in three meter vis while I'm wow. re yeah. retrieving this receiver. 
Because, I mean, I've been in the cage, let me mm-hmm. say, in, in Hanspai, and that visits, it's, it's green yeah. and cold, you know, that cold green, mm-hmm. and it's terrible. And, you know, when we, were, we, we had some white sharks around the boat, and suddenly they come in, and the first thing you see is the eye before you see mm-hmm. the shark. And, and it must be frightening. <laughs> diving it without a cage well such all, all i can say is before yeah. getting in the water yeah. you normally wait to have good visibility and a calm sea but a day like that it was the work came first mm. and i trusted this one with my life multiple mm. times mm. um i didn't see sharks that day i know they were there because they were cage mm. diving on top of us but i didn't uh, I saw. you saw i didn't mm. <laughs> um yeah they were there and they came to look at us, but we're not on their menu. White sharks don't eat people. There's reasons why people get hurt with great whites. Bad visibility and that green water is one of them because it makes colors shine, mm. my opinion of what I've seen. Um, Sarah's done more work in the, in, in that field. Mm, with the colors. Uh, mm. Yes. Um, with my observations, uh, and the, the color do trigger them. Mm. So um, luckily that day we we put black net around the, the tanks that, and that camouflage yeah. everything. Yeah. It yes. makes everything dull. Yeah. And, of course, you you stay to the bottom. The animal can't get it. Um, mm. up underneath mm. you yeah. but that only helps until you've got to go to yeah, the surface yeah. also you know yeah. the, sa- the, the safety mm. stop doesn't happen mm. no no no. You, no. also we don't You'd, dive that deep but when you go out you go out yeah Yeah. in, in bad vis um, with great whites doing a safety stop is in, in such a high uh, uh, energy area is not the best mm. and we're talking about 400 different individual species seeing in a particular year at Khanspai. So at the time, there were a lot of great whites around. The most great whites I had around my boat at once was 48. Wow. And I was lying on the wrong side of the island. There was seven other boats on the other side, and they all had 20 or something wow. or more. Oh, and we just wish so, we could see that today. Yeah. Um. I am privileged that I saw in my day the Great White's social system at work. Mm. Um, They are not lone animals. They move around in what we call loosely knit social groups. So there is a lot we have to unpack. And I believe we will have Mike again for the next episode. Yes, uh, uh, thank you, uh, Sarah, 100%. And also, just to unpack a little bit, you became this, this film star. The next part of your life, everybody wanted a part of you. So I look forward to also hearing a little bit about that next time. Thank you for listening to the Shark Stories. Shark Stories is proudly sponsored by the Shark Safe Barrier, the first uh, shark-specific and eco-friendly solution to the shark-human conflict.